0: The Bible says that we must love our enemies and bless those who curse us. So if one of your enemies hurts you, don't try to hurt them back. Instead, try to change them from an enemy to a friend. Be kind to them and understanding. Try to see things from their point of view. You might learn a lot about them and yourself. Repay their wicked deeds with nice ones. Gain their trust and become their friend. Be open and honest with them, and they will probably do the same to you then you can get your revenge and it will hurt them so much more when you betray them as a friend than as an enemy plus you will know all their secrets so you can be the cruelest of all and teach your other enemies a lesson these have been deep thoughts from a shallow christian okay well somebody liked it thank you it's good it's a Never know when you try to do something funny. Yost and I were looking at that video, and said, I think it's funny. Do you think it's funny? He said, I think it's funny. So we thought, well, let's do it. Um, the, the hard sayings of Jesus uh, are these 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 words, these phrases that he gives us that we get them, and we're like, ah, how does that work? How do I how do I live that one out? And in Luke six twenty seven, Jesus gives us just three words: love your enemies. And uh, they may be just three words, but they're far from easy to live out. And I think, is there anything more challenging? Is there anything more uh, like testing of our character and who we are than showing someone uh, who's hurt us, showing love to someone who's wronged us and kind of trying to extend grace and compassion to them? And that is one of the most difficult things. Um, I have a, a side business that I run called Avcom Technical Solutions, and it is... Uh, does uh, projectors and speakers and things in churches and schools and, uh, and concert halls and stuff like that. And uh, a while ago, uh, a church approached me for some, for some help with some of their technical stuff. And I met with them, took the time to, you know, visit them, uh, interviewed them, talked to their team, got to know their scenario and what their needs were, what their specific requirements were, uh, did the measurements on their room and looked at all the angles and the lighting and the ambient levels and all that kind of stuff. And I invested some pretty good time and resources and I even uh, provided some demo equipment to them and showed them why this would be the, the right thing for them and, and put a lot of effort into this. And, um, and then... I found out after the fact that there was already somebody in their church that had a sound company. And in order to keep things legit, they just needed a second quote. And so they were just using me to get a second quote. And they had no interest in uh, you know, using my advice or my services or anything all along. And so I had, I had really, I called in favors. I did lots of investment, lots of work. And, uh, and then I, I found out that they, they had no plans ever all along of even looking at it. And so, oh, that, that stings. And um, they asked me during the, during the process, they asked me about some, some other equipment. And, uh, and I explained to them why that wouldn't work for them and why it was wrong and why it wasn't the, you know, the right decision and a good investment and uh, demonstrated why the, the other stuff was. And, and uh, of course, that was the proposal that, that they were getting from the other place. And uh, they ended up buying that, that other stuff and putting it in. And of course, they had problems, and it didn't work. And so guess who they called a short time later to say, hey, do you think you can come and look at our stuff and help us out and do some training with our team and help us get this thing figured out? And I thought, oh, the gall of that church, like the back, oh, it just, in my flesh, I wanted to tell him where to take that soundboard and stick it, and I was like so just, teach him a lesson on sowing and reaping and payback and all that, kind of my flesh was like, oh. And, um, and yet, I, I knew that this is a church community now that uh, is in a bad spot, and they need to gather, and they need to worship, and they need to do their thing, and they got mission to do, and, and I know that my business is not really my business. God gave it to me anyways. It's really his business. It's his thing, and, and I have the skills and the ability, and I have the... And then I'm like, ah, oh, and I have to sort through all that stuff, you know, all that all that emotion and all that logic and all that, oh, if I do it and I don't wanna do it and I, I can do it and I probably should do it and God gave me the business and it's a church and it's kind of like the bride of Christ and he kind of loves the church and I can help the church and, and you go through that whole, all the emotions and all that stuff and oh, it's not easy to wrestle through those things. When someone has wronged you, someone's been dishonest with you, someone's cheated you, someone's hurt you, someone's opposed you, uh, those are difficult things to work through. And what does it mean when Jesus says to love our enemies, love people who have, who have hurt us and stood against us? And as I was thinking this, I wondered, could it be that Jesus wants us to love our enemies because it opens the door for his love to shine the brightest? Just think about that for a minute. And, and, and maybe perhaps... Part of understanding what it, what it means to love our enemies is to understand what, what it doesn't mean, what Jesus is not asking of us because sometimes we, we connect all kinds of other things and peripheral thoughts of this is really what it means. When Jesus says this, and oh, I don't wanna do it because it says this. And, and so perhaps it's, it's best to just start by looking at, at some of the things it doesn't mean. And so I was looking at this passage of scripture and there's a lot of good stuff in here that I want us to look at. Um, and i uh, get my notes in order here. Jesus is not asking us to surrender healthy boundaries. Loving our enemy doesn't mean that we have to let people run all over us. Setting boundaries is not something that we do lightly. It's not something we rush into. It's not something we just kind of do off the cuff. But, but setting boundaries can be one of the healthiest things to do when it comes to dealing with difficult people. And it's very possible to set boundaries for someone and still extend love for them. And you know, for Christians, for people of faith who believe in Jesus, this is very hard for us to do because we want to win people over. We wanna patch things up. We wanna love people. We don't wanna push people out. We don't wanna be part of the reason that they turn their faith away from God. And we don't wanna hurt people. We don't wanna push them further away. And it's really hard for us to know that, and you know when, when we do pastoral counseling and we sit and we meet with somebody and they begin to talk about some of the things and the difficult relationships and situations that they're in, one of the best things that we can do in counseling is actually to help people find out what is a healthy boundary for you, how do you set that boundary, and how do you hold that boundary? Because the only way, often the only way to bring health to that relationship is through healthy boundaries. It takes courage to say, I love you, and I want what's best for you, but we can't continue in this cycle. It's not helping anybody, and I need to set a boundary here until things change and until things get better, and I have to to respect that. I can't continue in this level of relationship with you. Boundaries are very hard, but sometimes they're very necessary. You know, healthy relationships acknowledge and respect healthy boundaries, and sometimes the only way to actually love somebody. Sometimes the only way to bring health to a relationship is through holding on to healthy boundaries. So loving our enemy doesn't mean that we, we don't have boundaries or that boundaries are wrong. Another thing is that Jesus is not asking us to surrender higher orders of love. I'm a pastor and a father and a husband, and I have higher levels of calling and responsibility that I need to hold on to. If uh, someone comes in the church and they're a false prophet, and they begin to lead people astray or bring confusing teaching. It's my job as the pastor of the shepherd to bring correction to that. It might even mean asking somebody to leave or having to deal with that. And, and I, it's hard and it's difficult, but it's part of what I'm supposed to do. Because the higher calling that I have to the church, the responsibility I have to the church, it reaches above that calling to that one person. And there's something about when we're, when we're thinking about what does it mean to love our enemies? We have to consider what is it, how does loving our enemy play out and what harm can happen to other people and how do other people get pulled into this? And so all of us have areas of responsibility. All of us have relationships. All of us have commitments to other people. We commit to our spouse beyond, above and beyond everybody else. Those become the, the main overarching relationships in our life. We have to hold on to them. We have to honor them. If somebody breaks into my house in the middle of the night and they're trying to rob my place or get into my house, okay, they are going to get a five iron to the side of the face. I keep it right under my bed. Guys, how many of you have like some sort of something in your room? Come on, hold them high. Yeah, okay. My relationship and responsibility as a father and as a husband overarches my kindness to the guy trying to break into my house. Okay, it, it is a higher level, it's a higher calling. And I will honor that and I will protect my kids. I'm not gonna help some guy rob my house. So we wrestle with this sometimes as believers. It's like, oh, but what, how do, I, how do I, I love my enemy? How do I? And, and we have to make sure that we are honoring and loving our other relationships in our life. Loving our enemy does not mean we harm other people. Okay, those are some things we have to keep in balance. Um, Another thing is that Jesus is not asking us to surrender justice and accountability. Uh, Accountability is very different than revenge. There's a profound difference between seeking a proper level of justice through the proper channels and just wanting to hurt someone back, just wanting to... To, to make them suffer and get back at them for what they did to us. And loving our enemy doesn't nullify the proper channels of accountability and justice. We even see this in the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. He says, look, I'm a Roman citizen. I, I, you can't beat me and you know, whip me for no reason. because I'm a Roman citizen. I, I, I deserve a trial. He says, and you stand up for justice. You stand up for, for certain things. Loving our enemy doesn't mean that we, we just don't do that. So what does Jesus ask us to do? What does it mean? I'm gonna read this this little chunk of verses here in Luke chapter six, okay? And Jesus is speaking, and he says, "Um, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and then do things. Uh, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you, would, uh, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you do, get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those Who can repay you? Why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to others uh, for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. What does it mean to love our enemies? Well, in verse 27... Jesus says, Do good to those who hate you. In 28, he says, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. In verse 29, he says, turn the other cheek. In verse 3, he says, give to them if they have need, even if it costs you your shirt on the back. And so I discovered something as I was looking through these, these teachings and what Jesus says: look, this is what it means to love your enemy. This is how it's played out. This is how it's lived out in your life. Is that it has as much to do with our posture as it does with our actions. It has as much to do with how we see ourselves in God's kingdom and how we see the the humility of our own life and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus in our own life, as much as with our posture and our understanding of those things, and also Jesus' love for them, as it does just our actions. And there are some things that this scripture gives us that I think helps us understand what it means and why Jesus would say to love our enemy. One of them is uh, a key to loving our enemy is to step out of aggression. The key to this verse, uh, this passage is in verse 31. It says, do to others as you would like them to do to you. Well, the others that Jesus is talking about in this, this golden rule of treat others and do unto others as they would do unto you, is actually our enemies. That's what, that's what this is talking about. Jesus actually is saying, a more, a more accurate translation of this is, do unto your enemies, treat your enemies the way you would want them to treat you. That's how we're supposed to treat our enemies. How would you want your enemies to treat you? Well, I would want to know that the feud is over. I would want to see them lay down their weapons. I would, it's like that, 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 that TV movie scene where the guns are pointed and finally somebody just says, okay, 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 and puts the gun down. And it takes somebody, it takes one person, it takes somebody to begin to lead that, to say, okay, you know what, I lay this down. I'm not gonna, you know. And you have to, there's some vulnerability, there's some stuff, but it, that's what Jesus invites us to do. Another part of this is I would, wanna, I would want them to stop uttering their threats. I would want them to relax from their position of aggression. I would want them to kind of just step away and step out. And the only way to end that fight is to diffuse the situation and to step out of the fight. Withdraw from the fight. Um, I've learned some things, some hard lessons in 26 years of marriage... And uh, one of them is that, um, uh, I I see Kate and Justin laughing and they're like only six months and they've already learned some hard lessons in marriage. So (laughs) Uh, one of them is that sometimes the fight creates more damage, more hurt than what the winning the issue is worth. Sometimes holding on to that, that fight, that argument, trying to win and, and, and keep, sometimes the cost of being in that battle and the cost of being in that fight, it's not worth it. We don't, it's not worth winning. It causes more damage. And so sometimes I've learned that, that, in, that it, it's better for me to just kind of step out of that, step out of that argument, step out of that fight, and, and, and it helps just kind of diffuse situations. It helps things kind of settle down. So we step out of aggression We treat others, we treat our enemy the way we want our enemy to treat us. Another is to refuse to throw mud. One of the ways um, we can love our enemy is to resist fighting evil with evil. Verse 28 says, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. It's really hard to fling mud at somebody when you're trying to bless them, when you're, trying to, when you're praying for them, when you're investing in them, when you're trying to get God's heart for them, when you're trying to seek first to understand before being understood, when you're trying to invest in somebody's life, when you're doing those things, it's very hard to just get involved in, and fling mud back at them. 1 Peter 3.9 says this, don't repay evil for evil, don't retaliate with insults when people insult you, instead pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do and he will bless you for it. You see, the temptation is to pick up the very thing being hurled at us and to throw it right back at our enemy. Think about uh, David. The Old Testament, there's a story of David and, and, uh, and Saul and Saul hurls the spears at David and the temptation is to pick up that spear and throw it right back. That hurt, that anger, that insult, going to get back at them. I'm going to hurt them back. And we want to pick up the very things that are being hurled at us and thrown at us, and we want to throw them right back at our enemy. Well, it's impossible to stay clean when you start flinging mud. If you look for revenge, if you seek to hurt your enemy, you will become infected by the very thing you throw back at that person. Anger, resentment, bitterness, rage, jealousy, all those things. Not only does it hurt your enemy, but it hurts you. It hurts your own soul. It makes your own soul toxic. Do you know when Jesus says, don't repay evil with evil, instead repay evil with good? you know that that has as much to do with you as it does with the other person? Because Jesus says, you repay evil with evil, you're gonna get infected with that evil. That thing's going to get a hold of your heart. It's going to get a root in your life. You're going to join in and you're going to participate in with all that stuff. This says, instead, repay evil with good. Let the goodness of Jesus get into your heart. Let the goodness of Jesus infect your soul. Start picking up the goodness of Jesus and throwing that at your enemy. Start blessing your enemy And let that get a hold of your heart. And you know what? There will be at least one of you in that relationship that will walk free. And Jesus, when he says bless those who hurt you, it's not because he's telling us to be weak, he's telling us to be strong. He's telling us to be free. Refuse to throw mud. Another one is to model the cross. Verse 36 says this, Jesus says, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. In Romans 5, it says, Jesus died for us while we were sinners. In some translations, they use the word enemies. That Jesus died for us, he died for me and he died for you while you and I were enemies of Jesus, while we were apart from Jesus, while we were far from Jesus. Jesus. He loved us before we could love him back. That's what it means to show compassion just as your father is compassionate. We don't deserve it, we're not worthy, but Jesus shows us compassion. Could it be that Jesus wants us to love our enemies and show them compassion because he's inviting us into the story of how he wants to love them? You see, Jesus loves our enemies with the same love he has for you and I. He wants them to be restored to the Father, just the same as we are. And as hard as it is, loving our enemies is one of the greatest privileges that we have at participating in the work of the kingdom of God. Love. 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 Love in this world is pretty messed up. It asks for a lot and it never returns the favor. Love in my world, well, it brings more trouble than it's worth. In my world, love has felt like. Sabotage. It flees into the night. It it, it leaves at the first sign of trouble. And it never feels like I love you no matter what. Because love in my world, it leaves. And when it leaves, there's only disaster left. No promises, a lot. But it doesn't deliver much. It breaks hearts. I've picked up the pieces of my broken heart one too many times. So I build walls. Love isn't worth the tears. The pain, the loneliness. The surrender. It's exhausting. Even when you try to do love right, love fails. I have made a mess out of love. What good is it? It can't help me. Why love it all? Why do I even try to love? Why sacrifice to carry the burden? Why? 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 Because there is a perfect love perfect love that can end the disaster. A perfect love that can heal the brokenhearted. There is a love that saved those who are dwelling in this messed up world. God tells us about it because we wouldn't recognize it if it showed up on our own doorstep. It's a love that takes its time. It's profound. It doesn't brag or badmouth. God's love is like a shield that we know will never leave us. That you can trust. Hoping. And you never, ever exhausted. That's his kind of love. And it never fails. And while we were keeping records of wrongs and self-seeking and being unkind, he still died for us. How can I love like that? How can I love like that? How can I love like that? Because I am loved like that. I can love well, not because of me but because he first loved me. One of the simplest ways to participate in the advancement of God's kingdom is by extending his love to others. And there's perhaps no higher way of proclaiming Jesus' love for someone than when that someone is our enemy. See, we can't love our enemies in our own strength, and so the very act of loving our enemy is an invitation to the Holy Spirit to work through us. Could it be when Jesus calls us to love our enemies that it has more to do with our own heart than it does with our enemy? Could it be that Jesus is saying, keep your own heart pure? Keep your own heart from getting scarred? Could it be that Loving our enemy is actually one of the more profound ways that we can honor Jesus. Is there any better way to make a declaration to Jesus that I understand your grace and forgiveness and mercy in my life? Is there any better way to make a declaration to Jesus to say, I understand that you came to me and showed me mercy and forgave me while I was your enemy than being willing to offer the love of Jesus to our enemy? Is there any better way to say, Jesus, I do that as an act of worship to you? As hard and as difficult as it is, it's a wonderful way to declare and acknowledge that Jesus, I get it, I know, and I appreciate, and I love how you love me. It's hard to love our enemy, but it's a sacrificial act of worship to Jesus. As we get ready to close our service this morning, we have a couple of key words that we we invite people to consider as you come and participate with us in our services. One of them is to believe, to believe in Jesus, believe in who Jesus is, and he says he is. It's one of the first steps of of kind of coming to faith in Jesus. So the other is to confess. Confess you need him. Confess you believe in him. And the other is to invite him into your life. Invite him into, we call it our heart, our soul. And it might be that you're here today and you've heard, talk about Jesus' love and about how he, he, he comes and he looks for us even while we're far from him and he, he comes and he finds us. The scripture says he calls us out of darkness into light. And the picture that we have on that word to call is to bid. The Greek word is like, it's literally to bid, just like you would bid on something at an auction. You would declare value on something say, I want that. So Jesus does. He calls us out of darkness into light. Maybe you've never done that today. You actually can have the opportunity in just a moment to invite Jesus into your life. And for the others, I wonder this morning, for the rest of us, maybe we've already made that commitment. You're one of the the many people who've already made that commitment to follow Jesus, but could it be that there's somebody in your life and it's really difficult to love them? They would Perhaps fit in that category of what it means to be an enemy. They've wronged you. They've hurt you. There's something there. There's a there's a break in a relationship. You know, we can't love someone who's wronged us without the help of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder this morning. This is my invitation: is is could you just give that relationship to the Holy Spirit? Say, well, you know what? It's up to the Holy Spirit. He's going to make a way. He's going to do it in His time. He's gonna give you strength and you courage in the right moment. He's gonna give the right opportunity when something you can't force it, but when it does come, that you would be prepared and you would lean into that and you would partner in the ministry of the Holy Spirit in that person's life. Maybe, Maybe there's somebody in your life and in your heart. Why don't we just pray for a minute? We do this here often. We just take a moment, bow our heads, close our eyes. Maybe you've never made that, that decision to even believe and follow in Jesus. That, that simple step to say, I believe you, Jesus. I confess my need of you and I, I invite you. I welcome you into my life. Maybe you've never done that and we're just in a moment of prayer. But you'd like to do that this morning. Why don't you just slip your hand up so I know who you are and I'll just pray for you. I won't embarrass you in this moment okay thank you and maybe for the rest of us who've already made that commitment that decision you know that there's somebody there and you need the Holy Spirit to help create the way the opportunity in his time and his strength for you to be an extension of God's love for them you just want to say, God, I want to take that relationship and I just put it in your hands for you to work that out. How many of you have got something you say, Jesus, that person, I give them to you. And so Jesus, I thank you for those today that raised their hand. I thank you first for those that put their hand up and said, Jesus, they want to believe in you. They, in this moment, they, they believe you are who you say you are. They confess their need of you in their heart right now. Say, they need you, Jesus. They need your love. They need your forgiveness. And that, Lord, they would open their heart to you, even in this moment. Just open your heart. Say, Jesus, I welcome you into my life. I welcome you to come in. And for those of us, Lord, who we're in a tough relationship, we're in a tough spot, there's an enemy in our life, and it's been difficult, I pray, God, that... You would work that out by the Holy Spirit that you would orchestrate things and put things together. You would give us courage. You would give us wisdom. You give us understanding. Help us to know the right moment and the right way. And Jesus, we pray that you would do your work in that situation and help us to show the love of Jesus to that person. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.